Well, hello and welcome to episode number 440 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, everything is just bonza in Australia. We take a look at BA uniforms in a historical way and Nev takes a look at the new BA business suites. In the military news this week, the Japanese begin to work on an island military base that includes a practice aircraft carrier landing strip and the venerable F-117 Nighthawk keeps on going. Armando's off today, flying in sunny and warm Florida, so he is not with us, unfortunately, this week. But uh, joining me this week over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, and there are absolutely zero technical difficulties there at all today, <laughs> it's Matt Smith. I mean, we started on time, that's all I'm saying. That's, we started on time, that's the, that's the main thing there, I feel. <laughs> Which, which surprisingly, considering you two wanted to uh, not let lockdowns. yeah, I don't know. It's it's like we don't have to do any of that. We don't have to touch any of that normally. And I, I hit the go button and went, no, I'm all right, thanks. So they've obviously changed a, a URL or something. Oh, I don't know. It's uh, gone are the days when they tell you what's it's going YouTube on. Glitch. Eh? Yeah. YouTube glitch. YouTube glitch. Yeah, YouTube glitch indeed, indeed. And uh, joining us this week from his glorious uh, executive suite studio over in the sprawling Buckinghamshire countryside. It's the man who's got lots to say about a certain story in this week's show. It's Neville Bounds. Oh, I certainly have, yes. I'll be on a bit of a bit of a rant later on, I think, probably. <laughs> uh, but yes, hello, everybody. Hope everybody is well. I've had a good week. Uh, it's been a busy week for me, work-wise. Not much travelling on the plane, but lots of travelling in the car this week, I must say. And try to dodge the potholes as well. Uh, if you're in the UK, you'll know all about those. And uh, I thought I was going to need a new wheel and tyre this week, but uh, avoided it just about. But um, yes, looking forward to a great show. Lots of news this week too, so lots to pack in. So uh, yeah. we're looking forward to it. And uh, we've also got our competition being drawn tonight as well. So your chance to win those uh, those tags that we had on offer in the Christmas show, we pro- promoted them on there. So the, the winners will be drawn from the various hats that are sitting right next to me here later on the show. But joining us to make up our four this week of ho- or four hosts this week, we've got back uh, a, re- a reoccurring guest who we have on the show quite a bit. And uh, it's always good to have him on the show because, let's be honest, anyone who has their own pub in their house (laughs) every box in my Mm. book it's andy hello well thank you for having me back again and yes i'm in my own pub here we go you can see the uh the bar behind me just on a leisurely friday night (laughs) i'd just like to point out to those of you watching in the world of youtube that is not a green screen and it does actually have that is an actual pub in andy's house well in my back garden yes in his back garden yeah, the, the wife would never let me have it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair compromise, I think. <laughs> and, and, bef- yeah. and before anyone asks in the YouTube room, um, now Andy, the, the the video game machine behind you there in, in the bar that is um, um, promoing what uh, game? Uh, Street Fighter Two oh, Championship Edition. Choice. Uh, it would have been better for me. Well, I was it was it Double Dragon was my favourite when I was when I was younger. Does anybody remember that? Probably just me. Is it Double Dragon? That was the one. I remember being on holiday in Cap Dag of all places, and all of my pocket change went into that. We actually managed to. It took us nearly a week, but we did complete it. So there you go. <laughs> if you're stupid enough to feed that much money into it, I think it eventually gives up and says, "Yeah, you won." <laughs> yeah, this is, this is this is free play. 
Yeah, Richard Adams <laughs> is saying that's going to be a, a tight squeeze for the next meet-up in your pub, Andy. It is, yeah. Oh, you can, you can ease... I had 15 people in here just before Christmas. Lovely. No problem. Sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but thanks for having us. It's good. I'm glad to be back. And I'm even nice. wearing even wearing the shirt as well. I know. He's got his uniform. Look fully, at him. Yeah. Fully merched up. Look, honestly, what you like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a new the new model for the PTUK T-shirt. Oh right, <laughs> and you know, you see we've we've got we've got pilots wearing the T-shirts as well. That is an excuse for you to go on the on the website now and get yourself a PTUK T-shirt. We're see. trying we're as, trying to encourage sales, Carlos. As, not, in, not as put them endorsed off. by Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Charming. <laughs> so let's have a look and uh, see uh, who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Loads of gr- loads of faces in there tonight. Uh, we had a we had a full chat room before we started. We've got uh, Captain Cruz is in there uh, tonight. Richard Adams, hello to you. Lee Davies has got his beer ready. His uh, ready. He's got his beer just like me. Got me a golden champion here. Me a uh, little beer here. Uh, John Jester, hello to you, John. Uh, Andy Wilson, don't know who quite who that is. Andy Wilson's in there. Hobby Time, hello to you. Uh, Mazus is also in there. Hello to you, Mazus, our local uh, listener of the show. Don't forget, we do have two Andy Wilsons, by the way. Oh, it's two Andy Wilsons. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> our main man Micah as well is wielding his blue spanner of doom Wee. to make sure the uh, bots are kicked out straight away. Uh, Bill is also in there. Hello to you, Bill. Good to see you in there. Dirk S is in the room. Plane Safety Podcast. Hello, Pip. Uh, nice to see you in there, Pip, as well. Uh, we've got, scrolling down, Masha. Hello to you, Masha. Lovely to see you in there. John is also in there. John Falk, good to see you in there as well. Uh, John Clarder, don't no idea who that guy is. He must be a bot. <laughs> we'll have to kick him out. <laughs> um, Will, that's Chris, banner. <laughs> we've got uh, Chris from Texas. Hello to you, Chris from Texas. Uh, good to see you in there. Shuttlepod1 as well from Arkansas. Or, as Captain Nick would say, our Kansas. Uh, Pilot Logan Lynch, hello to you as well. And uh, hello to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room tonight. Good to see you all in there. Don't forget, if you're listening to our dulcet tones on an audio podcast, we are live every Friday night on YouTube. Just search for us on YouTube, Plain Talking UK. You'll see us on there. And if you click that bell icon and the subscribe, you'll know when we're live every Friday night at 7 o'clock, when hopefully Matt hits that live button when it works on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so as nev said we've got tons to get through tonight so uh we have got military news as well just just so everyone knows uh from armando this week so don't panic uh but we've got commercial news first so if all the team is ready yes 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 let's go oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> lovely okay here we go So, kicking off this week's first news story from theguardian.com. And never said that I need to do this story in an Australian accent, but um, that's probably a 
good idea that I don't do that. Uh, please, if you wouldn't mind, that yeah. would be great. I don't, don't, don't want to offend anyone. That, that would probably be not a great idea. But no. uh, this is all about budget airline Bonza. Uh, they've been certified to fly amid a push to reduce the cost of domestic travel over in Australia. So Bonza, the long-delayed budget carrier uh, that has promised low-cost travel fares uh, in Australia, has uh, been given its certification. And uh, the promise of low-cost fares and purple budgie smugglers on board has cleared the final step of regulatory approval and will soon begin selling tickets. The Australian government hopes the aspiring airline's entry into the market will reduce the domestic fares. Almost a year after Bonza intended to launch, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, or CASA, on Thursday this week announced it had issued an air operator certificate following rigorous processes that include checks on safety, business viability and final test flights in recent days. Bonza will be Australia's only independent low-cost carrier and is set to become the first major high-capacity airline to enter local aviation market, uh, market since Tiger Air 15 years ago. The carrier's launch coincides with a soaring cost of jet fuel and leading aviation experts to question whether Bonza can honour an early 2022 pledge that customers should only expect to pay around $50 for every hour in the air. Uh, Tim Jordan, Bonza's chief executive, was optimistic about the airline's future, calling Thursday's announcement a historic moment in Australian aviation. The excitement for what we are about to deliver is palpable and the timing couldn't be better, he said. Demand for domestic travel is high and Aussies deserve for travel to be basic right for many, not a luxury for the few. This has never been truer with today's costs of living challenges. Jordan said the first bonds of tickets would soon go on sale for flights departing from its Sunshine Coast-based uh, base and tickets will only be sold via Bonds' smartphone app and through registered travel agents. After issuing a call to regional councils to gauge interest, the airline established its base on the Sunshine Coast. It initially plans to offer services to 17 airports, including Cairns, uh, Whitsunday Coast, Melbourne, Port Macquarie, if I pronounce that correctly, Newcastle. Newcastle? What are they doing with the Newcastle in, there in Australia, honestly? And Mildura, but not Sydney. Uh, Bonza will focus mainly and mostly on leisure destinations of routes uh, without an existing non-stop service and will avoid low cost or avoid flights between capital cities, uh, they've said. The Federal Transport Minister, Catherine King, said she hoped Bonza's entry would help bring down airfares and budget domestic prices at highs not seen since 2004. The entry of a new operator will also boost competition in the Australian aviation sector, offering more choice for the travelling public and putting downward pressures on fares. Bonza is backed by the US private investment firm 777 Partners, which funds several budget carriers around the world. The firm plans to lease Bonza eight Boeing 737-8 MAX planes and has already received three, which it named Sheila, Shazza and Baza. Hmm. Those names are in part branding of the campaign Bonza has driven since it presented its purple colour scheme while unveiling its intention to become the Australia's low-cost carrier uh, back in October 2021. Budgie smugglers and bikinis featuring the airline's logo will be sold on board. And yes, you did hear me right. Budgie smugglers and bikinis featuring the airline logo will be sold on board the aircraft. With the in-flight atmosphere, Jordan expects to be shaped by holidaymakers, bachelor's parties, leisure, 
and fun. And cabin crew will wear sneakers. I think that's trainers in English, isn't it, guys? Trainers, shorts, and will be allowed to mix and match their own uniforms. So there we go. Australia has its own Ryanair. The last thing you want is bachelor parties to be creating the in-flight atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to say, um, Andy? Well, a lot of the flights I've done that are full of stag do's, bachelor parties, whatever you want to call them, get quite rowdy. Oh. Are you saying that by from experience? Yes. <laughs> what being being at the front or the back of the aircraft? Uh, both. <laughs> uh, but it's good to see a new low cost carrier. I know in Australia at the moment, uh, domestic fares are through the roof because um, uh, Qantas basically have a monopoly on a lot of the routes. Hmm. Um, I'm just reading in the chat room, actually, and um, Dirk S. says, as long as the cabin crew aren't wearing yellow Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, quite. Not a fan of Crocs, I have to say. What do you reckon, Nev? Well, it's good, isn't it? I mean, it means more competition. I mean, I remember when I went to Australia um, the first time around in 2003, uh, I was all set to go on the domestic circuit from... Uh, Melbourne, Sydney on Anset, Australia, and they actually went out of business the three days before I was due to fly. Uh, oh, no way. I think Qantas did take over that route briefly, but um, yeah, it, it's good, isn't it, that um, this is obviously going to make fares more sensible. And of course, Australia's been really short of tourism over the last few years as well, so this, this will help a lot, I think, and hopefully they can um, uh, fill the seats. Uh, which would be great. But they've, they've probably, you know, an airline like this has got to do something different, haven't they, really? Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, they're going to be in the same situation as everybody else. So, uh, no, I am, interesting. I am going to suggest to my employer that we start selling budgie smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be quite good. I mean, sure, why not? <laughs> does, that, <laughs> does, that, does that mean all the captains and first officers are going to be modelling them? Is that what's... Like- well, I wouldn't go that far. It'd be nice to have a pair in my uh, night stop kit, though, you know, just in case. <laughs> Bit of unplanned swimming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder whether if they if they if they brought in like a premium or a business class section on Bonza, whether that would be part of the uh, amenity kit. Oh, like dear. smugglers in a bikini. Wow. <laughs> Certainly keeps the options open for the. It customers. does. Yes. It does. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to something much more. Um, in the in the realms of upper class, Nev, you've got. Well, we, yeah, exactly. Story. We're getting back to the serious stuff now. This is what we'd like to see. <laughs> uh, on the executivetraveler.com, uh, it says British Airways will soon be upgrading its Boeing seven eight seven fleet to the latest club suites business class, uh, with the first of the redone dream, not Dreamliners taking wing at the end of October. Uh, as anyone who's travelled in the club seats can attest, it's a dramatic uplift in every respect, from comfort and seat features to personal space and privacy. Uh, BA's original Boeing 787-8s are first in line, an airline spokesman tells executive. 
active traveller. We remain committed to rolling out our award-winning club suite, the airline says, and we're pleased that our 787-8 aircraft is next to be retrofitted, allowing our customers to experience our latest business class products to even more destinations across our network. Well, BA have got 12 of these 787-8s, which are typically seen on routes into North America, South America and India. However, uh, will take some time to undergo their transformation, meaning that the longer range Dash 9s will have to wait their turn. Uh, the airline was unable to provide a timeline for when the Dash 9s are expected to go under the knife. Uh, BA originally planned to have most of the Dash 8s and Dash 9 jets upgraded, but progress on the fleet-wide programme was unavoidably set back by the global pandemic. Uh, so the uh, 787-8 business class, uh, Executive Travel understands that the refurbished um, Dash 8 business class will have 31 club suites, which is a slight drop from the previous 25, with 37 premium economy World Travel Plus seats up from 25. However, as before, the Dash 8s will not have a first class cabin. Uh, in the Dash 9, um, Executive Traveller understands that um, the this business class will have 38 club suites with 38 premium economy World Traveller Plus seats and also be eight of the new design first class suites, which like business class includes a sliding privacy door. Well, that's all very well. Um, I'm coming back from um, Portland, Oregon on a Dash 9 um, in February, but it won't be one of the refurbished ones by the sounds of it. Oh. They're going to be um, taking a bit of a backseat before they've done the Dash 8s. So, um, but hey, you know, I've never been in, uh, I have actually have I been in a Dash 9 before. No, I haven't actually been in a Dash 8 before, but not a Dash 9. So, um, I've experienced this suite. Mm, yeah, I remember you telling me that, Andy. Yeah, yeah, what, like? on on triple seven on Barbados. I sent Matt some photos there actually of um, <clears throat> my daughter sprawled out in what? Well, there's me sat in one. Um, yeah, really good, really comfy. Um, Zoe absolutely loved it. There was loads of room for her because she's only little. Um, really nice. The only thing is, if you're travelling with families, you can't get between the two middle suites. You have to go all the way around to a bulkhead and back down. But far superior to the old club product. It's really nice. Nice. Yeah, it looks, looks very nice. I mean, that's unusual for you, Andy, because you don't normally compliment BA uh, very often. Do you? <laughs> not, not really, no. But I've got to give them these sweets on, nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. That sounds... So it'll be good once they've got right. it spread across the rest of the fleet as well. Yeah. Excellent. That's good Good stuff. But it looks, yeah. uh, looks like they've done a nice job on the design of that, isn't it? I, mm. Actually, I was going to say that, Nev. Actually, I, I'm quite impressed by how those, those sweets look. Yeah. They they do look very nice with the stitching and that on the on the backs of the seats mm. looks looks very nice very good well done well done BA I think on that yeah crack him Matt you have got the the next story and, and this is <clears throat> this is quite quite I'm quite amused by this yeah indeed uh, so it, obviously story three for a change is our Ryanair story and. Uh, <laughs> It is uh, from the Manchester Evening News, and the headline is Ryanair hits back after passenger makes complaint about seat on flight. Most passengers who fly with Ryanair expect a no-frills experience. The budget airline is known for offering cheap tickets with passengers being charged for all sorts of extras should they want them. Cutting back on things such as checked-in luggage helps to keep costs low, but sometimes passengers can be left bewildered by the budget experience. One Ryanair passenger took to Twitter when he was shocked to discover that the usual seat pocket was missing on his flight. 
Twitter Twitter user Type One Tony wrote, uh, "You don't even get seat pockets in a Ryanair flight," and I did a laughing emoji. He uh, accompanied the tweet with a photo of the seat, uh, Exhibit A, uh, <laughs> in front of him, which featured in safety instructions a fold-out tray, but with the usual pouch missing. I must admit, I don't think I've ever remember. I don't think there's ever been a, a pouch, has there? Certainly not on the Ryanair one. Anyway, uh, Ryanair offered a tongue-in-cheek response to the tweet. Uh, the airline jokingly suggested that the passenger should store any belongings in his own pockets instead. Other Twitter users were soon in on the joke. Uh, one user, Richard, adding, you must be able to buy pockets surely at an extra cost, uh, to which Ryanair responded, we, we call them pants, Richard. Uh, <laughs> Another pointed out that it's actually quite beneficial for passengers as they won't uh, leave anything behind. The user replied, personal items forgotten in the seat pocket. Uh, someone else suggested that it helps with keeping the plane clean. Uh, Isjet, uh, Izet, sorry, uh, Akiv wrote, uh, makes it faster for cleaning, which means shorter ground time, which means more flights per pl- airplane, which means cheaper flights for us all. Sounds like they were working for uh, <laughs> right there with that last comment. As I say, I, I must admit, I'll put the picture back up again, but I must admit, I don't think I've ever been on a Ryanair plane that's had a, 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 a I'm pocket. trying to think. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sure. God, Jesus. Years ago, when when the original Dash 800s were in the fleet, I'm sure they had that sort of manky looking false leather pouch at the uh, underneath where the seat back, you know, the tray table comes down. I might be wrong, but I'm sure they did on the original ones. Because the new I mean, ones, I, I've, I've not. Interiors, but I've not done enough flying to be able to. Um... To sort of be able to say yay or nay uh, one way or the other, and uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty certain that Nev won't be able to answer that question. No. For us. Well, <laughs> it, it, the, the picture that you put up, this is a view that I'm just not familiar with. <laughs> right, of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, yes. What, in, what in, is in this a, yellow and blue you speak of? Yeah. <laughs> in 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 a sensible way that they are, Ryanair, obviously, they've thought you know it's a good weight saving thing because take all the pouches or the pouch, whatever you want to call them off the backs of the seats and put the safety card on the back of the seat in front of the passenger that's saving weight no cards. And each one does have to be individually searched if there's a pocket there between each flight so that mm. does save time yeah like I remember it. actually thinking about the original sort of low-cost carrier model and, and people talking about 25-minute turnaround times and, and, and this kind of thing. And everybody would say, oh, it's just not possible to do it. You know, it has... I mean, obviously, you, you, I mean, Andy will tell us this, I'm sure, but you do, you do pick up delays from time to time. But it does seem that the the low-cost carrier model of those short turnaround times, <laughs> for the most part, seem, seems to be working, doesn't it? Yeah, it works. I mean, a 30-minute turnaround, 25 minutes, is more than doable. Especially the way the crew work as well in low-cost turns, they they clean as they go as well. They don't just leave it all to the end. So then literally it's just a search, check of life jackets, all that sort of stuff to make sure, because they quite often get pinched on a stag flight, a life jacket. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so you can get that done pretty quick on 186 seats, 200-seat aircraft. Impressive, yeah. Mm. So... 
Moving on to the next story, and uh, I know Armando is not with us uh, this evening, but he's very kindly sent a video in for the next commercial news story. And uh, this one comes from CNBC.com, and it's all about the FAA Grand Stop, the nationwide stop that happened in the U.S. earlier this week. All right, guys, we wanted to talk a little bit about this FAA NOTAM system outage that happened this week. So the NOTAM outage happened on Wednesday morning. I was actually sitting in Teterboro, New Jersey, which is the one of the New York satellite corporate airports. Um, this was important because, well, honestly, this is the second big outage that's happened in uh, just, just about as many weeks. Um, I was actually sitting in Naples, Florida, when Miami Center had their radar outage and had to limit IFR traffic coming in and out of Florida, um, that resulted in me sitting on the ramp for about three hours with the APU running. Um, but uh, the uh, outage that happened, the, the NOTAM outage, by all accounts now, now we've had a, a little bit of a preliminary investigation that happened. Um, NBAA said that the FAA and the NTSB are investigating this. And all signs are pointing towards a corrupted data file or a bad data file. This update was supposed to happen Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Uh, The update was supposed to take about 90 minutes or so. And whatever happened, this corrupted data file um, continued on all the way into the morning. The FAA decided to reboot the system. This actually affected both the primary and the backup systems. A lot of people have asked me, um, why isn't there a redundant system? Well, well, the bad data affected both of those systems. <clears throat> this ended up affecting pretty much every airline, uh, lots of commercial and uh, corporate traffic. Uh, mostly, well, we saw some pretty big delays this week for Delta flights going into Atlanta, United flights going into LaGuardia, and American flights going into DFW were were affected further than than just the national ground stop that happened. Now, as you can imagine, a ground stop is not very common, uh, a national ground stop especially, and the only other time that's happened is uh, on 9-11-2001. So total about 9,500 flights were affected that morning. I think by about 9 in the morning, they started figuring it out and traffic slowly started uh, flowing again. Um, NOTAMs, Notice to air emissions, we hate them. We love to hate them. We hate to love them. Um, They are just a necessary part of the job. So, you know, we can't just Leroy Jenkins it and uh, say, go ahead and send it. We don't need the NOTAMs. This really affects the the airlines also because a dispatcher can't dispatch a flight without appropriate data, right? And, and, having the appropriate risk management information, which is what NOTAMs are for. Um, uh, pilots, we all make fun of, you know, on Facebook, you can mark yourself from the unlit crane that's 469 feet above sea level, 2.3 miles from the runway end. Um, copy, we're safe from that. But there is a lot of really good information, uh, really important information that goes on over the NOTAM system, um, both, you know, runway closures, taxiway closures, uh, things that happen unlit uh, runways or unlit taxiways, uh, equipment outages such as uh, an ILS uh, component that may adjust or that may determine what what minimums and you can uh, you can 
apply that approach to. So at the end of the day, they are they are important, and and we can't dispatch aircraft without having an updated uh, NOTAM, um, you know, dossier or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we've all seen some of these pictures online of of airline pilots with the dot ma- dot matrix printers just printing out reams and reams of paper. Um, I think most operators have moved to some kind of electronic flight bag where we get those notams on the on our iPads or whatever tablet they're using. But even uh, even general aviation users, corporate users like me, um, for flight was saying that the updates weren't happening and that that it was unreliable data. So even even for us on on the corporate side, the Part 135 side that I was flying that day, that trip, uh, four day trip to Teterboro, we uh, we weren't able to dispatch, and and our dispatcher said we're we're just going to hold off, we're not going to take any trips, and uh, we'll let <laughs> basically the airspace sort of sort itself out. But it is concerning, you know, it is concerning that that a corrupted data file could bring the whole system to a halt. It's uh, concerning that, you know, our, our, our infrastructure for air travel safety is continuing to just uh, get a little bit older and older and older while there is a next-gen system coming out with ADSB and things like that. But, um, but I think this year, the beginning of this year, has perhaps exposed a little bit of the fragility of our, our national airspace system, at least here in the United States and Canada, because Canada had their own issues with the NOTAM um, thing the following day. So we'll keep an eye out on this. Well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, this direct directly affects me and, and a lot of our listeners that are professional aviators. Um, so we'll see what the FAA and the NTSB say about this outage, and then hopefully they can get, you know, some system in place to uh, prevent this from happening in the future. I mean, this whole situation, is, you know, the whole archaic computer system thing it is a worry now, let's be honest. I mean, I know I know it's a, a different system, obviously, but I mean, BA have been rather famous for their, their outages with an old mm. computer system. But um, yeah, it's uh, and, and as uh, Armando was explaining there, like, uh, you know, bad data, effect, there, there is a backup, basically, but the bad data affected both of them. We, uh, hence, hence the outage and stuff. So, yeah. I did see an update online actually, Matt, on the uh, yesterday online that said that the various airlines in the US were putting together their own different um, um, like plans for customer how to how to you know um, deal with it in future. Deal with the customer, yeah. deal with customers. So, some airlines are given full refunds. Some airlines are given um, um, monetary value tickets back to reuse. Some airlines are doing loads. Of, you know, different airlines are doing different things to reimburse passengers. For I mean, I mean, if the one thing, if, if if the one thing that COVID has taught us, of course, is there'll be no consistency. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, everybody will do their own thing, basically. But uh, yeah, I get you know again, I suppose a lesson has learned, as you say, there's a new procedure now being put in place to sort of help customers going forward and and all that kind of thing. So like, I guess should something like this happen again, then there'll be. You know, people will know more I, about I reckon, what to do. I reckon it was like the problem you've had tonight, Matt. I reckon they they, they got into work on Monday morning at you know at, at six a.m., clicked the go live button at the airport, right. and it and it said it no. So computer says no. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Well, um, be be sure to uh, pass on your comments to um, you know the uh, American air traffic controllers. I mean, I'm sure they'll be very <laughs> grateful to to know all about uh, you know the the the. Uh, uh, is it F- F- FTSB or whoever it is that's investigating it? 
Someone like that. NTSB. NTSB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm sure they'll be delighted to hear your comments. Uh (laughs) So hopefully they'll they'll fix it. They've rebooted. They've uh, they've press control alt delete. Um, and we've got a comment from Micah in the chat room, by the way, if somebody's uh, got... Uh, oh, uh, old doesn't necessarily mean bad when it comes to computers, as long as the things are updated and everything will work fine. Sometimes upgrades happened just for the sake of upgrading. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. yeah, that is yeah. true. Um, I, I, although the, the only reason I would sort of maybe mildly dis- not dispute that, but sort of say that the problem is... With all of these things, you do reach a point where it can no longer be updated. Um, I mean, ironically, we were having a similar conversation to this just before we started, weren't we, with, with, uh, <laughs> with, with uh, Andy's um, um, machine that he's using. But, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, yes, he's completely right. As I say, that the only thing that, as I say, I mean, I, I've got um, uh, with, the, with the studio, not this studio, obviously, the, the other one that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on has, uh, you know, running like Windows 7, for example. Admittedly, they're machines that aren't on the internet and therefore they're not um, likely to get sort of like cyber attacks or anything like that but uh you know good firewalls and all that kind of thing uh, will make sure that that uh, stuff doesn't get in or out with those devices but uh, they do unfortunately reach a point where they they can't um <laughs> john for john falk is saying wonder if they are still using paper tape readers probably is the short <laughs> answer God, that uh, is old school yeah indeed <laughs> indeed so moving on to the next story this is for you andy and uh this yes. is right right up your right up your street i think this is Yes, this is a story about an abandoned 737 being transformed into a luxury private vacation villa in Bali. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, apparently it's the world's first luxury hotel inside a commercial jet. An abandoned Boeing 737 that was once part of the now-defunct Mandalay Airlines has been converted into a private vacation villa in Indonesia. And you don't even need a boarding pass to enter. The retired aircraft, which is currently under construction, sits on the edge of a cliff roughly 500 feet above Bali's Nyangyang Beach. When it's finished, hopefully within the next few months, the refit jet will be available to rent for roughly $7,300 a night. Entrepreneur and travel enthusiast Felix Demin, Demin is spearheading the project alongside invest, investor Alexander Lebedev. Isn't he the, in the House of Lords, that one? Uh, Demon has founded three other hotels in Bali over the years, so certainly knows the market. He told Business Insider that after securing permits from the local government, it took a week to transport the plane to its current position, and the craft had to be disassembled and rebuilt on site. Externally and structurally, this is a jet that we have turned into a luxury hotel, Demon told Insider. In order to make room for accommodations, the airliner has been stripped of all its seats and flying equipment. Essentially, Everything except for the shell and the windows will make you forget that you're in a plane. The minimalistic design scheme also helps with that. A rendering of the jet turned villa shows the former cockpit has been transformed into a stylish bathroom with a circular stone bathtub. Elsewhere, you'll find a kitchen, a dining nook, another bathroom and two bedrooms. Outside, one of the wings appears to have been transformed into a terrace where you and your friends can take in the views. You could also gaze out at the ocean from the adjacent infinity pool and lounges. And to top it off, guests will have access to complimentary self-parking. Complimentary self-parking, that's just a car park. (laughs) Free Wi-Fi and 24-hour front desk service. There's even a helipad, so you can bring your chopper on holiday. 
Phenomenal. Who doesn't want to bring their chopper on holiday? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I mean, Next. Uh, for $7,300. You'll, you'll night, set them off again, careful. Uh, <laughs> that is... That is that's a, that's a, how, much, a, how much is that a night? Sorry, I missed that. $7,300 a night. I mean, that works out. I mean, I... That just, so that's, the Hilton points I'm just getting. I'm just <laughs> getting quite. the. Um, that just, that's ridiculous, isn't I'm it? I'm just getting the uh, convert. Hold on, conversion now. I sort of you don't even need a conversion. Oh, so no, no, no. It's, it's point, Carlos. It's pointless. Like it's a silly amount of money. That's, that's just like. I mean, what's and, the? If if you go and let's let's say you you go to. I'm trying trying to think of like a really exclusive, expensive London hotel. Let's say I don't know the Savoy. If you wanted like the presidential suite or whatever the equivalent of that is, I mean, surely that's not like it, it's six grand a night, Matt. Is it? Yes, in six our money, six grand. Six grand. Wow. Okay. So I mean, as uh, Dirk said, they've even ripped out the cockpit, so we're not even the target market for this. No. <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, it's not exactly like it's. I mean, surely for, forgive my naivety here. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, it's great that, that that this this shell, if you like, is being repurposed and all that kind of thing. But I mean, surely, as you say, that's not being aimed at uh, av geeks. I mean, Mister Average. Yeah, I know pilots earn sort of quite well in comparison to the rest of us mere mortals. But the like. That, surely, no pilot in the land would would spend that kind of money on one night just in something that they fly around in. I mean, as you say, it can't be aimed at them. Surely, it, it's. I'll tell you what. If you convert it in, into Australian dollars, it sounds even worse. Okay, because in Australian dollars, that works out at ten thousand four hundred and sixty-five <laughs> Australian dollars a night. Oh, while you're there, put it into yen as well. I'm sure that'll be even worse. <laughs> oh, yen. Hold on. <laughs> Goodness yeah. sake. Yeah. Oh, dear. I mean, I can tell <laughs> you. I, I, would, I would not pay that money to stay no, there. No, I mean, don't get what me wrong. It? it looks an amazing no. space of, you know, I mean, if you if, if they said, I mean, even £500 a night, you might think, yeah, it's a really unique experience. Uh, I mean, to be, it looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the bath and everything, all that. Like, it looks like an amazing space, if you see what I mean. And if it was £500 a night, then, you, you know... It's quirky. It's all that, but like you know, um, just for you, Andy yen. It's nine hundred and thirty-two thousand seven hundred and thirty-two yen. Lovely. Oh, a bargain at half the price. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I mean, like, like we said, it looks nice. It, it it does. I mean, it's in a lovely part of the world. It's obviously got a great view out from where it is, and it, the luxury is there. But fancy it, Nev. <laughs> Well, yes, but not of that. that <laughs> no, quite, no, quite. Indeed. Anything over two hundred quid, I've got to get approval for. Well, quite, yeah, absolutely. We're in no, we're in nosebleed territory at those kind of oh, prices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, hopefully we'll look out for a, for a discount code for that. We'll get, uh, <laughs> yeah. Twenty dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I think the problem is, Carlos. Even if it was a ninety-five percent discount, it still wouldn't be affordable <laughs> to the rest of us. That's the problem. <laughs> Keep an eye out on Hot Deals UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. Hotels.com, you'll see it on there in no time. Uh, right. No, back to... Back to uh, reality? Back to, back to reality now. <laughs> and uh, Nev's, Nev has got a very nice... I mean, last week we covered a story on the show, a historical story about uh, BA. And then this week, just for a change, we've got another kind of look back 
at BA's um, uniforms, haven't we, Nev? Yeah, and just as we always refer to the Daily Mail uh, for our aviation of news, course. which this is from, uh, the producer has decided that I'm the most appropriate person to talk about fashion. <laughs> Uh, which is surprising, to be honest with you. Well done, John. However, um, this is quite an interesting sort of retro look back of how all this evolved, the uniforms, because BA has unveiled a new uniform for the first time in nearly 20 years. But the uniform was not always what we know it as today, as one of... uh, was one point... As one point, women had the option to wear paper dresses. Uh, Over the last 80 years, the airline's crew has been putting the uniform to the test, trying to find the perfect balance between practicality, style and representation of the times. They've had the luxury of designers who work for Chanel and trained with Karl Lagerfeld uh, of creating stylish and high fashion yet durable designs. Their designs have followed their company journey as uniforms developed from the basic military uniforms when they were better known as Imperial Airways in 1919, to modern jumpsuits as British Airways in 2023. So we're going to take a look at six of these memorable and very stylish designs from the 1940s to the brand of uniforms of today. So back in 1940, this is British Overseas Airways Corporation, BOAC, all the way through to 1959. Well, the first fashion designer to create a uniform for BOAC was Morris Hellman. He used the backdrop of World War II as an inspiration for his creation from the world of haute culture uh, from 1946 to 1959. Whilst it kept the traditional military style, it evolved into a softer, more feminine and less restrictive outfit. Coming forward to BEA, British European Airways, in 1960, well, with new resources and a new style, some would consider uh, restraint for BA's typical choices, is introduced. Uh, Sylvia uh, Ayton, MBE, is a, was a student with the Royal College of Art and was chosen by a panel including top British designer John Kavanagh to design the uniform. The uniform was a straight skirt which had a Dior-style pleat at the back worn with a pleated jacket and a hat, all in the same material. Coming up to 1967 now with BEA, British European Airways. Well, at that time, BEA staff were not only working for the number one airline in Europe, but they were also wearing designs made by the UK's number one designer and dressmaker. So Hardy Amos played a huge part in the uniform design of today, in fact. Gone with the wind were the dark blues and blacks and in came Deep Red partnered with white and blue to shadow the UK's iconic Union Jack flag. The dress and jacket were in royal blue terraline coupled with a white blouse and gloves and a striking red caped overcoat. 1972, uh, British European Airways. Well, uh, in 1972, the airline asked a designer back for the first and only time to create another uniform line just before they merged with BOAC. Sir Hardy Amos replaced his 1967 design with French navy suit with thin rows of red stitching and a hat trimmed with a BEA red ribbon. Stewardesses also had more freedom to express themselves as they could style interchangeable coloured blouses and scarves. 
Uh, British Airways back in 1985, so this was from 1985 to 1993, um, this was sort of high fashion in mind and the uh, airlines asked Roland Klein for their next design. He previously trained in Paris with Christian Dior and Karl Lagerfeld. And not only did the airline want fashionable stewardesses, but they wanted their whole airline to be draped in luxury. The uniform was designed for all staff, including cabin crew, ground crew, engineering and technical handling staff. It was a wool navy jacket and a grey skirt, which was worn with a long blouse with red, blue and grey stripes. In hotter weather, the blouse could be worn with a skirt in the same design. Also for the first time, a traditional double-breasted suit in dark blue was designed especially for pilots. And coming bang up to date now in 2023 for BA, this was uh, this latest design is by British fashion designer and Savile Row tailor Oswald Botang, OBE. The uniform, which is going to be launched in the spring, uh, features a modern jumpsuit for female cabin crew that is billed as an airline first. The collection features dress, skirt and trouser options for women and a tailored three-piece suit for men with regular and slim fit style trousers. A tunic and hijab option has also been created for the carrier. Many of the outdoor garments have also been tested in deluge showers and freezers at minus 18 degrees Celsius to ensure that they're water resistant, durable and fit for extreme weather conditions. The airline's engineers and ground operations agents will be the first to wear the new uniform from springtime. As they pick up their new items of uniform, they'll hand in their previous Julian MacDonald garments, which will be donated to charity or recycled to create toys, tablet holders and more. A number of items will also be gifted to the airline's museum. Well, that's quite a journey, isn't it, from uh, back in uh, 1919 to the, the present day? But Love those eighties ones, Nevs. Nev those uh, with the stripes. <laughs> I, I do as well. Yes. <laughs> I can can I be really controversial? Go on, go on, Matt. I don't like the new uniform. I think it looks very slap. I think it looks very. Ca- I think it just looks way too casual. I'm sorry. I yes, ju- I just... maybe we'll have to see it, uh, it, it f- yeah. in the flesh, is it? The right? whole sort of like all in one thing, mm. like where the shirt and the and the trousers literally like a jumpsuit. I, I, it doesn't. I, well, I mean, I'm I'm the last person who knows anything I, about fashion. I, I, but I have like, to say, Matt, the jumpsuit. I I'm going to say I agree with you on that. The I just jumpsuit. think it's too casual. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. You know, I mean, it, it comes to something when and, and this this is this sounds terrible. Um, but the Ryanair uniform, sorry, twenty times smarter than that. And <laughs> how practical is a jumpsuit? Well, quite. It's not really, is it? Yeah, I mean, like you know, and I, you know, let, let's be honest. Time, time is short when you're cabin crew. Uh, you haven't got time to be faffing around if you want to go to the loo. Exactly, and those <laughs> toilets are pretty small. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I, I, not not for me personally. I'm I'm sure some designer somewhere will think it's the most stylish thing they've ever seen. I just, I personally, I think it's too casual. I, mean, I don't know why they bothered sticking it in freezers and deluge of showers. If BA doesn't have a jet bridge attached, it's not BA. No, not quite. Quite. I mean, there are standards, aren't there? Yes. It's a, it's a very good point, Nev. Uh, Sturman <laughs> makes a very good point. Hello, by the way. Hello. Good evening, Sturman. Joining us in the chat room. Sturman makes a very good point just now in the chat room. He says that it looks like an F1 pit stop team member with a big tie. <laughs> yeah. That's a reasonable point. Yeah. It may, yeah. It's... it's uh, 
Yeah. Also, also loving his uh, loving his profile picture. By the way, we we need more details on that. What on earth is he doing in that picture? <laughs> oh, actually, I will I will just say actually just yeah. just on the on the subject of Sturman because uh, he's a very good friend of mine. Sturman, he has been he's taken up a, a very good hobby, a very interesting hobby of metal detecting. Oh, cool! And um, Sturman has been to quite a few little sites in the in Suffolk here and Norfolk and at uh, old site World War Two sites, aviation sites. And he's found some very interest, interesting bits and pieces from um, aircraft in the area, which is very good. Mm. Very exciting indeed. Yeah, so, indeed. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad to say I'm not alone. Mark on the WhatsApp number has been in touch. He says, Matt, agree with you uh, on that. It's like a boiler suit. Whatever happened to first impressions? That's a good point, isn't it? First impressions. I, I think bring back the 80s uniform, Nev. Yes, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because I quite often have a chat with the uh, cabin crew when I'm uh, on the plane. One, once they start wearing these, I'm going to start asking them what they think about them. And mm. they're normally fairly, you know, frank Candid. about what, 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 they, what they say about these sorts yeah. of things. So uh, when they've tried, you know, you know, over perhaps a season, you know, a couple of months perhaps, something like that, I'll perhaps see if we can uh, have a chat with one yeah. or two of them and see, see what they say. I do think the 80s uniform will be a fire risk in the modern world. Good point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Too much shell suit. Yes, quite. Yes. Uh, nail on. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. Very true. Uh, I remember my shell suit. Uh, goodness, goodness me, Jonathan Warner's all... here. Jo- Jonathan Warner's here before the military. That's astounding. Yeah, actually He's getting ready. On the He's getting ready because he knows the drawer is coming up um, ah, right. later on for uh, the sags. You yeah. could mistake them for mechanics quite, although the, although the, the tie hanging from around their neck might be a little bit in the way if they're doing anything far too scientific. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Oh, so, next story uh, comes to us from flightglobal.com. And uh, it's the news that was all over the news this week. It's been, everyone knows what's been going on here, but it was all about the UK's inaugural launch of the, uh, of the well, launch into space with Virgin Orbit. And uh, the failure has been traced to an early engine shutdown. So Virgin Orbit is to conduct its next space launch from the California site at Mojave, as investigation into its failed inaugural UK mission progresses. But it states that it expects to return to the UK spaceport Cornwall, located in Newquay, and is holding discussions on potential opportunities which could emerge later this year. Virgin Orbit has determined that the 9th of January failure followed a premature ending of the initial burn of the launch vehicle's second-stage engines. Say that after two points. Uh, the launch vehicle carrying satellites on the first operation from Spaceport Cornwall was successfully dropped from the carrier's aircraft, a modified Boeing 747-400 in the specified airspace zone. Virgin Orbit says the vehicle's first stage rocket ignited, accelerated the craft to hypersonic speed. Initial data assessments indicated that the first stage of the rocket performed as expected and the vehicle reached uh, space altitude and underwent first stage separation, fairing separation and second stage ignition. Uh, But in an altitude of around 180 kilometres, the second stage experienced an anomaly, said Virgin Orbit, which prematurely ended its, its initial engine burn. The craft failed to reach its intended orbit and launched the vehicle along with the satellite payload, and it fell back to Earth. 
Virgin Orbit states the fall occurred within the designated safety corridor and extensive telemetry uh, coverage for the flight allowed for the collection of an enormous quality or quantity of data during a mission, as this has enabled the company to carry out rapid analysis of the event. Virgin Orbit has commenced a formal investigation into the second stage failure and an extensive fault analysis investigation and completion of all required corrective actions identified during this investigation will be completed prior to the next flight. It says, pointing out that prior to the UK mission, each of its customer satellites had reached their required orbit. Chief Executive Dan Hart said that he's confident the root cause will be determined in an efficient and timely manner given Virgin Orbit's previous successful launches using the vehicle and the quantity of telemetry it obtained from UK flight. He said, we are continuing to process and test our next vehicle per our plan and will implement any required modifications prior to the next launch, he said. So I watched it online. Um, I watched. I think I watched it through one of the various YouTube feeds that was online that night. Nev, I know you watched it, and I know, Nev, you have got... A few comments. I can't even find the words. Do you know how much this mission cost? Just have a guess. <clears throat> well, it was more than um, £7,300, wasn't it? it the was. price of a hotel in yes. Bali. I can tell you it was $700 million. Ooh, that's what? Great. That's great. No, no problem with that. No issue. Could we spend a bit more money on the live stream and the production values? Honestly, I have never seen such a poor job done of something which is so important. The production was awful. The there was hot mics going on. There were you could hear talkback going on. The pitch quality was rubbish. All we could hear was music all the time. Graphics, um, really poor interviews going on. I'm sorry. I just thought it was absolutely horrific, and they could have done. At no real cost. I mean, frankly speaking, with the, with the gear that we use in the PTUK Master Suite studio yep. and some decent mics and yep. some decent cameras, you can do a nice job. And um, no two ways about it. So I, I was just absolutely horrified as to how poor it was, uh, really. So um, and and uh, when um, SpaceX did it, um, I mean, I remember watching that. I mean, it was fascinating. Admittedly, all right, they were at NASA as well. You know, there was all this sort of like other bits and pieces going on. But I mean, the 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 production values on there. The the other slightly frustrating thing is when he had his Virgin Galactic flight. Um, there were some issues with the live feed coming out of the rocket that was moving at an alarming pace. I get that. But they were able to sort of like download it, if you see what I mean, and then play it back later on. But they didn't have anywhere near those kind of production issues, production value issues when they were doing it for the Virgin Galactic. No, but, and presumably they, they will have um, had some GoPros in the camera, uh, in the uh, 747 as well on the flight deck. Now, I'm not saying that they could have done any of that live that's that's fair enough but i've not seen any footage of any of the cockpit stuff that was going on which would mm. have been i think Good. really interesting yeah. for people to see and especially all, as most of the 747s stripped out anyway mm. uh, for, for weight and, and balance reasons I, I would assume um you you would have thought it would have been nice to see some of the tech gear as well wouldn't you but uh, th there's been none of that yeah. Uh, do you Richard think Paul, Adams? Uh, I'll say you, Richard Adams makes makes a fantastic point in the chat room, Matt. Can you see that? No. It said Richard Adams is saying, didn't they sell loads of tickets to obviously watch this? 
So basically, people turned up, the huge crowd turned up at Newquay to watch a 747 takeoff. Yeah, exactly. Actually, while we're, while we're talking about the 747, uh, Neil Lamwan, he's got a brilliant, uh, well, more of a sort of like conversation thing, and I'd be interested to hear your, your views on it. He said, unless you're launching a rocket from actual UK soil, this was just a PR guff. Uh, you can fly a 747 anywhere to launch to a launch position. Mm. Um, and from an aviation side here, I've got a lot of concerns about if uh, the airspace usage, if they're going to make this a regular thing. Mm. They blocked out a strip of airspace from the southwest sort of Land's End area all the way down to northern Spain from surface to unlimited <laughs> for this launch. And that is a main airway route for aviation traffic between the UK and Spain, Portugal, the Canaries. That'll have caused chaos. I mean, I wasn't flying that day. I don't know. But that if that's going to become a regular thing and they need that much space, can they not go somewhere else? Well, that's the reason you need to read your no-tams, Andy, isn't it? That's what it's all <laughs> well, You're I'd right. read the no-tam and still be fairly peeved off that that much airspace was being taken up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's True. no right to reply with a no-tam. It's, it's a one-way traffic, isn't it? Yes. That, I suppose the only other thing I would say about that, of course, it was at... Uh, well, between 9 and 11 o'clock at night, wasn't it? So yep, that, that's the prime time to fly down to the Canaries and back. That is true, though, isn't it? That's a good, that is a good point, yeah. That, Especially the return leg from the Canaries. That is right in the middle of the sort of block of aircraft. Yeah, and I guess back. because if you don't want it too hot during the day, so you're not weight-limited you know, or restricted on, on the way back in terms of fuel and, and all the rest of it, I guess. So, uh, yeah. I think it's just the way they schedule it, to be honest. Is it? Do the short yeah. flights in the morning, get the long ones out in the afternoon. Yeah. Following on from what you guys just said a moment ago about the um, the camera work and stuff, uh, Jonathan Warner makes a good point that it would have been nice to have a GoPro showing the actual release. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's lots. There's so many things that they could have done that would have just made it um, so much better. Frankly. I mean, it's not as though they haven't had time to prepare, is it? I mean, well, no, quite exactly, exactly. Uh, indeed. So, uh, um, maybe but, we should offer our services. But, well, hundred percent. I think <laughs> if anyone's listening to the show and they know one of the team who who organise this, just just drop them our our address. Um, let them know if they want a proper production done of it next time. Just um, let us know. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to come back to this though, but I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, Neil Lamward's thing has really um, sort of triggered me a bit here. Really, uh, with with the whole um, being able to like with the seven four seven, like you know, you can fly a seven four seven anywhere to launch to a launch position. I mean, what essentially made it a UK launch? Is it purely because it was on UK? soil that the 747 took off from i mean and surely that's not surely there needs to be more than that for for something like that you know to be classed as a uk launch or or am i just being terribly unfair no i agree with you i think it's big pr stunt Uh, the government's getting involved i'm not going to go political okay Uh, (laughs) be afraid everyone (laughs) yeah you can launch if it's attached to any aircraft you can take off from anywhere and launch it from anywhere yeah Indeed. Uh, who's to say that this wasn't taking place? Uh, probably because they wouldn't be able to clear the airspace, frankly. But who's to say that it couldn't have been done at LAX Airport? Charles de Gaulle. Well, if, a- if you want to get the... close to the equator, take it down to the Azores, fly south, and then launch it. Yeah. Uh, Dirk S. Chatram says, 
it was a UK launch because the UK paid for it. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Good. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Cost of living crisis. Anyone? Oh, oh dear. No. 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 Don't open that can of worms. Yes. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah. Uh, next uh, next up story. Uh, this is uh, for you, Matt. And this, we're going on to something nice now. This is a pleasant story, uh, we're, but we are staying in the UK for this one. Uh, Okie dokie. Uh, yeah, uh, yes. To Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a different country, but it's we're... we're st- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Uh, insider.co.uk is the website, and the headline is Glasgow Airport hosts job fair with 320 roles available. That is good news, as you say. Glasgow Airport will host its biggest ever jobs fair on the 19th of January, with more than 320 roles available. More than 30 employers based across the airport's campus will be represented at the event, which will be held on the first floor of the main terminal between 10am and 4pm. Recruitment teams from air traffic providers Nats, ground handlers Swissport and Menzies, a security specialist ICTS, facilities management partner ABM, catering specialists the restaurant group and select service partners will be all on hand to discuss full-time, part-time and seasonal employment opportunities. Logan Air will also be in attendance to recruit for a range of positions as well. Transport opportunities Operators First and McGill will also be recruiting for a large number of trainee and bus driver positions, along with retailers including World Duty Free and both the Celtic and Rangers stores within the terminal. Celtic, sorry, not Celtic. Uh, Job opportunities range from air traffic control services to security, retail facilities management, catering and ground handling. There are also a number of direct Glasgow airport jobs available in areas of the business including human resources finance airfield operations and the control center ronald leach who is the operations director at glasgow airport said as the industry continues its recovery we anticipate that we will welcome an additional one million passengers passengers to glasgow airport in 2023 having joined the airport 22 years ago as a management trainee i can say firsthand it is a fantastic and exciting place to work representatives from invest in ren Renfrewshire and Job Centre Plus Travel, uh, job Centre Plus staff will also be present to offer support and advice while translators will also be on hand to support Polish, Romanian and Ukrainian job seekers. Given the security requirements involved in working at an airport many of the roles on offer will require a full five year checkable history. Well that's good news. That is good news, isn't it? It's uh, although <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised. I'm sure they've been doing some recruiting before that, but it's like, how long ago was it that everything all reopened? <laughs> the only thing I will say about this, and I went to a job fair last year in um, at Norwich Airport to see what kind of things were on offer at Norwich Airport, just to find out what what kind of well, just what things were involved with becoming part of the team there and the various jobs and stuff. And I have to say, if you find out how much their the starting salaries are for ground handlers at Norwich, I don't, it might not reflect other airports in the UK, but it was pretty poor. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean really bad. It's not a well-paid job, but it's also a vital one. Yeah, mm. exactly. Super important, as you say. It's uh... yeah. They, I mean, I think they tar- they try and target younger people who are probably haven't got mortgages or still live with their parents responsibility and, stuff, and... <laughs> when you haven't got the financial yeah. sort of burden on you 
but the, the, the it's obviously different in at Gatwick and Heathrow and, and obviously the bigger airports within the UK, but I know a lot of the smaller regional airports like our very own London Norwich Airport, um, the, the salaries are not great. I wouldn't um, be at all surprised if there isn't a massive difference between working at Norwich and working at Gatwick, to be honest with you. Uh, the only job that actually I found out, the only job that pays really well, and I mean really well, at Norwich Airport, is the guys who drive the refuelling tankers. Ooh, nice. Now, that job pays well, yeah. I did find out. Love a bit of danger money, though, don't yeah, you? It's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty dangerous as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Indeed. But good news, that is, Matt. Good news. Good to see some mm. jobs appearing within the UK. Definitely the way forward. Andy, you've got the next one, and uh, I know Nev's got some comments to make on this after you've read the story. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yes, so um, aircraft makes incorrect landing at Schiphol, and this is from Airways magazine. Now, I don't like this first line. Uh, a Delta Airlines aircraft made a wrong landing. I don't even know what a wrong landing is. <laughs> uh, this morning at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport, due to causes as yet unknown. The airport said in a comment that the back of the Delta plane landed... Oh, on the unpaved section of Amsterdam's East Runway around 8 a.m. The runway was damaged as a result and could not be used for an hour. The runway has since been opened again, according to Amsterdam Airport. The Dutch Safety Board, not even going to try and pronounce that, announced on Twitter that it had been notified and was on its way to Schiphol for an exploratory investigation. After the incident, the plane was taxied the gate, the Schiphol spokesman said, and there passengers were able to disembark. Now, the east runway, which is runway 22, is Schiphol's shortest runway. The southwest-facing runway is not used daily, but today it was used because of strong wind. Schiphol reported the incorrect landing to the um, investigators, and the latter is conducting a preliminary investigation to see if it is necessary to conduct a more thorough investigation into the incident. So I'll put some context at the back of the Delta airplane. Basically, the wheels landed short. Um, there are some notes there about the weather as well. At the time of the landing, the wind was 240 degrees, 27 knots, gusting 38, which is not that bad when you're flying basically into the wind. I think that's about 11 knot crosswind. Um, so something's gone badly wrong. I don't know if you put the pictures up, Max. I've seen some. Um, you can clearly see that the uh, the main landing gear had touched down just before the threshold. Oh, blimey. Yeah. Yeah. That must have so, been quite uh, the bumpy, uh, the bumpy start. I mean, is, for, well, forgive I th- my naivety here. There wasn't any risk of it perhaps tilting forward or anything like that. I mean, no, I think that the biggest shock would have come when they went from the mud to going over that lip of the concrete. Well, at yeah, and sixty miles per hour, they would have felt that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Lucky. And also, it looks like. I mean, I don't know because you can't really tell from that photo if only one set of wheels actually hit there. Yeah, because the, the, the le- yes. yeah, it's a double bogey landing gear, so that's why you've got two wheel marks there. Yeah. But something's gone, something has gone wrong. I mean, obviously, they've had a long flight overnight, and a 10 knot crosswind, it's not that much, to be honest. It might have been a bit turbulent, but still, 10 knots across is not. It's not, it's, it, at, yeah. that, at that point, they should be at least 50 foot above the threshold, which is sort of what you're aiming for to cross the threshold at. So, yeah, interesting. be interesting to see the outcome of the investigation. Indeed, it's... Um... If you think about the, the A330, 
which is what this aircraft is. If you have a look at an A330 coming into land, uh, the, the, the way the bogey hangs below the aircraft fuselage uh, is quite an interesting angle, isn't it, mm. as well? So if you did end up landing short, um, that could be a bit more difficult, couldn't it, if you think about it, compared to a you know, regular aircraft set of bogeys? Yeah, does it hang forward or back? I can never remember. Um, I'm thinking it's... Um, I can't. I can visualise it, but I can't work out. Well, that's hanging. For, no, it's hanging backwards. Actually, yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Up, angle, so, it? that's so it's fine. not too yeah. bad. Then if it's hanging back with the back wheels yeah. hitting for, which looks like what's occurred there. So it's literally a meter away from the uh, paved surface. Because the story, does, I think the story does say it's an unpaved section of the runway. Well, that's completely untrue. It's not the runway. It's it's the grass, really. Yes. <laughs> it's the yes. clear way I'll be brutally honest I know nothing about aviation runways or any of the above and I know the difference between grass and concrete <laughs> uh, you've been learning you've learned something I know I know it's that little book it's all in there that you gave me it's all the details <laughs> I need are in there <laughs> so the, the, I mean it doesn't I've just checked on the update on the um, Aviation Herald website to see um uh, about the aircraft, it did say that the aircraft was on the ground for twelve hours after landing, and the 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 following flight was cancelled. But so I would imagine there would have had to have been a few inspections done. I was going to say that. I mean, uh, that as you say, going from the grass to the concrete alone, a hundred and what sixty miles an hour or whatever it was that you said, Andy. Yeah. I mean, surely there will have had to have been a thorough inspection of that nose gear because that well, uh, that's a hell of a jolt. Well, not the nose gear, the, the main gear. But the Airbus aircraft actually have sensors for lateral load uh, and longitudinal load and acceleration. So the computers would know on board what stresses went through that oh, landing okay, gear. Right. So it probably got flagged, and that's why it was there for so long. You get something what's called a load 15 report if you've got a particularly heavy landing, or there's an acceleration in either axis that the aircraft's not happy with. And when you shut down the air, well, sorry, mm -hmm. after landing, it will just start churning out of the printer this report saying oh look at what you did you fools um and, and then you tear a, that off and have a look at it is there a printer on the chief pilot's desk as well <laughs> yes well engineer delta engineering would know and all their sort of um engineering systems so they've probably jumped into action straight away but and you also know, the, you can, the airport workers uh, working a bit of overtime to replace the approach lights as well well yes <laughs> yeah quite. if you hit any of the lights yeah um yeah but I don't want to speculate on what caused it because, you know, it's in those sort of weather conditions, you could easily have had a bit of shear as well, mm. which could have caused it to fall out of the sky uh, short of the runway. But we won't know until we get some form of initial report back. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Ouch. there you go. Ouch. A bit of uh, gardening work required there on that grass. All just yeah. sounds very see, expensive. So, <laughs> one thing there that just in. From Aaron PC, runway two two is short for an A three thirty for takeoff. Yes, but for landing, no. It's be pretty much empty uh, weight, fuel wise. So you could land on that runway quite easily. There we go. From our resident Airbus pilot, Andy. <laughs> Who me? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that would that would be. Well, well, it's not, it's not the. It's not any of us. <laughs> us. So uh, last story. In uh, the list for this week, Nev, you've got the last kind of feel-good story for the show, for the end of the uh, commercial news this week. Yes, quite a, an interesting uh, and funny one as well. Um, 
Uh, it says that uh, Dublin Airport security worker Dermot has gone viral for singing, dancing and doing pretty much anything he can to keep early morning travellers in good spirits. In a recent tweet, user Colm Callagher, uh, fresh off a jaunt uh, through the airport, spoke of a mystery showman security worker basking in the limelight of keeping the crowds entertained. Uh, Colm wrote, there's a man working at Dublin Airport Security who is a showman, cheerfully calls out hello to folks whilst running the crew, uh, refers to children as bambinos, uh, asks about their colourful plastic bottles, relentlessly peppy at 5am, basks in the limelight, 10 out of 10. Dublin Airport, uh, obviously well aware of the showman being referred to, responded with a video of Dermot hard at work, welcoming crowds and belting out uh, is this the way to Amarillo? <laughs> As you would. Uh, Dermot has since said it in a reply, thank you, I was only being myself. Your kind words have shot an arrow that is still going. The, uh, the last week has been quite overwhelming for me, but so nice to think I'm just making a little difference. Regards, the smudge. This is what we need in airports, really, isn't it? Yeah, although although I, 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 I perhaps I'm being terribly unfair on Andy on this one, but I can't help but feel that Andy would have to restrain himself because I, I, Andy, you don't strike me as a morning person, and this might annoy you. Yeah. <laughs> How did you guess I don't like mornings? <laughs> Quite, indeed. Um, yeah, it's just like uh, you have to sort of like sort of you know cable tie your hands or something so that you don't punch him. <laughs> if I knew that was happening i would go through the service yard underneath the airport Very good. it's yes, easier <laughs> it's easier actually neil neil in the chat room says um i hate peppy people at 5 <laughs> quite absolutely yeah i i i, I, think, I, I think if you're traveling with kids this is this is blooming yeah, marvelous yeah absolutely yeah well yeah. And, and i'm sure he's experienced enough to know that if you if it's a businessman stay well away and let them get on with their thing <laughs> Oh dear, never mind. Anyway, it's, uh, very nice, very yeah. nice. Let's, let's, I'll tell you what, because as I say, there's a, I won't play all of it, but let, let, let's uh, let's have a little listen of because uh, it didn't sort of come out very well over the over the top. Here we go. Look, let's have a. Very well here. You're very welcome to Shannon Airport. Thanks for coming in today. You're very welcome to Shannon Airport. Everybody, sing along, please. On a Texas Sunday morning, our launch will be there. Come on, girls. Yeah, I can, I, I can feel Andy's blood pressure rising as, as I just, just like... Yeah. You, you paint me as a horrible <laughs> human being. No, yeah, probably, yes. I, I'm sorry, I'm being terribly unfair and I do apologise. And also that the staff lane will be much shorter than that. Good point, ne yeah, good point. Ned would miss all this because he's obviously in the lounge at this point, you see. That, well, yeah, but I still have to go through the security queue. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not exempt... Uh, from that, you know, although no, we do true. get a nice uh, shorter queue usually. Of course, absolutely. Well, I'd expect nothing less. Yes. <laughs> Quite. And on that bombshell. Uh... And on that bombshell, that's where we bring the commercial news uh, part of the show to a close for this week. Uh, we have got military news uh, coming up next. Armando's been very busy putting together some videos for us this year. So, well, don't panic, Nev. You can take a break now. Go and fill your glass of Pinot. <laughs> um, but uh, if, uh, well, I was going to say, if we're all ready for the military news. So yes, if, uh, indeed. Everyone's ready for the military yeah. news. Let's go. Yeah, let's press the button, yeah. What's up, buggies? 135, 50, Angel 60, 340. Okay, 
military story is from EurasianTimes.com. On January 12th of this, uh, just this last week, Japan began building a self-defense base on uh, Magashima, which is an island in the Kagoshima prefecture. Now, this facility is going to be constructed as part of a plan to relocate the joint naval and marine exercises that happen currently with the United States. It's going to serve as a new training facility for U.S. carrier-based F-18 Super Hornets and F-35s to simulate aircraft carrier landings close to China. Uh, the SDF is also going to employ the site as a logistic and maintenance depot to defend uh, Japan's Nansei Southwest Islands. The ministry also intends to construct a runway, some hangars, pier facilities for ships to, use, to be used by the Japanese self-defense forces. Uh, although development is anticipated to take about four years, the ministry wants to uh, finish the runway and the associated facilities with the aviation part of this uh, in the next 24 months or so. Now, this plan is going to make it possible for U.S. fighter jet training to be moved fr uh, from Iwoto, and, uh, which is located about uh, 1,200 kilometers south of Tokyo. Now, on Thursday morning, about 40 people, including ministry representatives and construction workers, arrived in Magashima. Uh, the relocation plan actually began about a decade ago following a mutual agreement between the United States and Japan. However, due to opposition and a lack of urgency preparations, were essentially put on the back burner. It's no longer a secret that the expanding presence of the Chinese military in the region, which we talk about on the show many, many times, is driving Tokyo and the Japanese to take these significant steps forward to strengthen military ties with the United States. Um, now, the chief cabinet secretary uh, said that the new military installation would be, quote, indispensable for the United States. And as such, American aircraft carriers will be able to continuously monitor the Indo-Pacific region and respond swiftly to any emerging threats. Now, officials from both countries agreed that China's growing power possesses a little bit of a strategic challenge in the Indo-Pacific region and beyond. But both countries also pledged to boost deterrence and broaden the scope of their security treaty uh, to include um, land, real estate, and space. On January 11th, Japan formally approved U.S. plans for a new Marine Quick Reaction Force on Okinawa, um, which has been a longtime host to U.S. forces, and actually disclosed some plans to strengthen military cooperation uh, on some remote Japanese um, islands to the southwest of the country um, that are a little bit closer to Taiwan. Um, so the U.S. Uh, carrier-based fleet of Super Hornets and F-35s would be able to practice aircraft carrier landings at this new facility. Magashima is going to be handier, I guess, more uh, convenient for U.S. carrier pilots to practice um, uh, as opposed to the Marine Corps Air Station in Iwakuni, uh, which is currently the principal base for many of, of the U.S. forces um, on the Japanese main island of Honshu. Uh, now, the U.S. pilots currently practice touch-and-go carrier landings on Iwajima, uh, which is over 850 miles away. But by flying to Magashima, the distance would be reduced by about 600 nautical miles. Now, the USS uh, Ronald Reagan, it's an aircraft carrier uh, from the 7th Fleet, is actually based in Yokosuka in Japan. Uh, since the early 70s, the United States has homeported at least one aircraft carrier in Japan, obviously primarily for strategic reasons. Um, but this uh, this assures that one aircraft carrier will be uh, permanently stationed there and then have another facility for uh, additional aircraft 
and uh, and the support associated with that. So this is very important. Um, Matt's going to throw up some pictures uh, of this uh, new island that they're building. And uh, again, you know, as we sort of monitor and we watch the 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 situation with China and China's uh, fight for power in the Pacific region. Um, this is, you know, obviously a direct response to this and, uh, and obviously good for, for logistics and pilot training and, and forward staging bases in response to, to China's, um, I guess, uh, real estate push into some of these, some of these regions that are getting closer and closer to Japan. Some lovely pictures there he shared as well. I, I can't get, uh, I can't get enough yeah, of Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what it, it's um, it's good to uh, to hear that they're having this new training base or this new training facility, because as as you know, as we know, this um, we, we've had covered in the last what two months or three months we've covered on the military segment the amount of kind of incidents and accidents that have happened, um, not just in in sort of Europe but around the US as well with with military aircraft, so. Hopefully, more training means um, you know less accidents. Hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, next up on the military segment, uh, Armando sent us a, another video in. Thank you, Armando. And this one all is about all well, is about the Colombian Air Force. Uh, they're going to buy some T six C training aircraft. This next military story is from DefenseNews.com. It's actually a little bit close to home. I used to work a lot in Colombia. Um, I spent pretty much the first five years of my military career deploying down to different parts around Colombia. But the Colombian Air Force has just announced that it's planning on buying four additional T-6 Texan II turboprop training aircraft from Textron Aviation in a deal that's worth potentially $38 million. Now, these negotiations are part of an effort to acquire up to 24 of the T-6s, which was a plan that was unveiled by the Defense Ministry last year, December 9th. Uh, Colombia previously ordered three T6s in 2020 for about $28 million. That contract included the option for Colombia to buy up to eight more. Um, the next year, the country ordered an additional four in separate contracts with an aggregated value of about $37 million. Now, six of the seven T6s ordered from 2020 to 2021 have since been delivered to the country. Uh, Colombia has started replacing its approximately 50-year-old Cessna T37s, um, which is Captain Jeffs actually learned to fly in a T-37, as many of our uh, military pilots did, or at least the Air Force. Um, but they've started finally replacing their uh, their tweets with these T-6 Texan turboprops. Um, Columbia actually started receiving the T-37s back in 1969 and, and has used them not just in advanced flight training, but uh, at least when I was there, they were using an operational uh, role uh, with the 8th, 37 um, Dragonfly, um, basically using them in a combat and a combat support role. Now, believe it or not, the, pl- the primary flight training in Colombia is currently provided by new Cessna 172s. They replaced the older Cessna T-41 Mescaleros. Uh, basic flight training takes place uh, on some uh, refurbished uh, Tucano, Embraer Tucano aircraft. Uh, supplemented by some T6s, which are mainly used for advanced flight training. Um, all of the advanced or all of the fixed wing training in Colombia takes place at an international school run by the Colombian Air Force at the Palanquero Air, Air Base. 
apart from Colombian military pilots, trainees from the Dominican Republic, Guatemala, Honduras, Panama, El Salvador, <clears throat> all learned to fly there. And the six T-6s that are already in service in Colombia, uh, are based there at Palanquera, are flying pretty regularly. Local sources uh, that, you know, tried to remain anonymous because they weren't authorized to talk to the media, uh, told Defense News, at least, that the long-term requirement for the 24 T-6s aims to include some aircraft fitted with weapons for light strike missions. We've talked about that. I think the U.S. Air Force has been exploring this function for a long time now, a couple years. Um, obviously, these armed aircraft would be used for some tactical combat flight training along with a secondary light strike role. And they would also replace those A-37s, which I was just talking about, um, and then supplement Columbia's fleet of 24 uh, Embraer Super Tucanos that they are currently using for ground attack and uh, counterinsurgency aircraft. So again, great deal for Textron. These are awesome aircraft. I totally believe in it. Uh, I think a lot of countries don't need F-16s and F-35s and all these, I think, uh, T-6s and Super Tucanos, which are pretty similar platforms, are incredibly capable aircraft. Uh, You can do a whole lot with them. doesn't take a whole lot of training, but at the end of the day, uh, with the right pilot and the right training, they're, they're incredibly capable aircraft. I would buy one. I would buy one, but all right, well, I'll get through this one. defense export and all that stuff. <laughs> Thanks for that, Armando. And uh, it, this this brings back memories for the the first Dubai Air Show that I went to um, a few years back. Now um, this this was the one before I went out with Nev, and I remember seeing the T six. They had a T six on the stand there at Dubai on the display stand. And you could actually go up and look at it and stuff, and it was amazing seeing the T six text and sitting there. It's, 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 it's not the prettiest aircraft in the world, but you could imagine that the one that I saw at Dubai was fully loaded with with pretty much everything under the wing. There was rocket launchers and and every kind of thing under the wing. And it, it's one of those aircraft. If you get a chance to see a T six up close when it's fully loaded. It it just looks like it. It's almost a propeller version of an A ten tank buster. Picture, yeah, kind of get that in your memory. That's that's what the T six is like. So good to see. Uh, Armando uh, is one. listening, by the way. Armando um, is listening. Yeah, Hello, he is Armando. absolutely. He just sent us a, a a picture. There we are. Look. Oh, look at him. Look. Honestly. Oh, he's like the new beer uniform. That's very casual. <laughs> that's very casual. <laughs> Cash. It's smart cash. Quite smart cash, yeah. Smart I'd take cash. I'd take that uniform over the monstrosity. Anyway, no glossing over moving yeah, anyway, no, yeah. <laughs> So moving on to the uh, last story of the military news this week, and uh this one again from Armando, and it's all about the F one seventeen, an aircraft that uh, a certain Mr. Warner has got uh, a, a special interest in. Alright, this next military story I think is pretty cool. The F-117 Nighthawk just keeps popping up. It just won't go away. Uh, the Aviationist.com just recently reported that the United States Air Force um, wants the F-117 actually to fly until 2034, so at least another decade. Um, the F-117 Nighthawk, which was the first operational stealth aircraft, as you guys know, was officially retired in 2008. However, as we've been talking about over the show, over the last uh, year or two, these Nighthawks have continued to fly unofficially from the Tonopah test range out in Nevada. Now, the Air Force, of course, has not confirmed or denied any of this. On 21, uh, 2021, um, we actually saw some images come out 
from uh, uh, DVID, the Defense Visual Information Distribution Service, of these F-117s actually flying and working out there at the Tonopah test range. Um, now, in September 2022, the Air Force Test Center published a request for information, they call it an RFI, about a possible 10-year contract for maintenance and logistics support services for the F-117 at the Tonopah test range or the TTR. Um, this may give us a little bit of a clue that the Air Force wants these aircraft to fly at least for the next 10 years or so. Um, now, this Tonopah is a classified, very controlled uh, site about 150 miles northwest of Las Vegas. It's been home to the F-117 really since it came into service. But it's also at the Tonopah test range. There's also Russian MiGs. There's Sukhois. There's um, some classified programs out there. Um, people are always trying to get out there and take some pictures. But uh, but it's also the airfield where the F-117s were actually stored after their official retirement, waiting eventual disposal. So this RFI, this is a request for information, or, or basically the Air Force going out there and, and seeking a contract for this, actually had um, some detailed data in it. They you know they were requesting uh, maintenance, logistics support for the F-117, uh, preservation of the F-117 aircraft, um, demilitarization, declassification project. Uh, projects and processes for the F-117. Um, the RFI was looking for um, submissions for F-117 aircraft maintenance to include, you know, aircraft inspections, launch and recovery, aircrew flight equipment, all the traditional maintenance that you would think goes on with a fighter jet. Mission support, logistics support, environmental uh, support, all these things. So um, basically what this does is it somewhat gives us a little bit of an official confirmation that the F-117 is is actively being used, not just for training purposes, for, uh, as an adversary aircraft, as we were kind of thinking, um, but also for potentially some research development, uh, test and evaluation. Um, they, uh, it, it is not known right now how many F-117s they're trying to put back into service, or, or maybe already back into service. There's about 59 F-117s originally built uh, 45 of them were currently in the inventory and 10 have already been transferred to museums or approved to transfer to museums as we saw just recently the, the I believe the Pima Air Museum got one um, the silver one they script they scraped all the uh, the stealth coating off of it um, but uh, this is pretty cool I mean this is a uh, you know like we said, a, bit, a little bit of an official confirmation that the Air Force wants the F-117 to keep flying for the next decade or so. So, Jonathan Warner and all our military listeners, you get your chance to uh, get some pretty cool pictures. He was saying, actually, that he, the last time he saw um, that that particular plane uh, was in 2007. And he just literally just WhatsApps and said he would absolutely absolutely kill to go and see uh the uh see the ones in the u.s actually flying he'd, he'd give anything to go and do that i'd love to see one over at duxford <laughs> right a funky old looking airplane yeah. isn't it yeah yeah yeah, I, I, yeah. <sighs> they, they just look very odd to me we, we, need, we, need, um, <laughs> we need one to be to be retired and put out so they can make it into plane uh-huh. tags <laughs> yeah, true. Jonathan Warner is saying in the chat room, by the way, from two thousand, uh, from nineteen ninety seven to two thousand and seven, they were pretty regular visitors to Riyadh. He was saying mm. so. 
Yeah. There you go. Uh, Evan Evan says in the chat room, he saw one at the US Air Force Museum. They're an awesome aircraft. Yeah, we need one over here. I think we, we haven't got one in the mm. UK, have we, to, in the museum? Yeah, we need one over here. Mm. But mind you, if you've been to Duxford, as we all have as a team, we've all been to Duxford, if you've been in the US hangar, the big hangar there. Yeah, I love that one. I, I, yeah. I, I think they'd struggle, wouldn't they, Matt, to fit? I don't think they'd squeeze a full <laughs> plane in anywhere, right? Even if they suspended it from the ceiling, they're a bit out of room. Yeah. Yeah. So... That uh, is the military news for this week. Thanks to Armando, as always, for sending us in the videos. Thank you very much, Armando. He is busy getting ready to fl do some flying, serious flying in the US right now as we speak. Um, but uh, it's competition time, and we ran a competition uh, at Christmas, and we gave you the chance to win one of these three tags, which is this one of this one here. This is the BA, the 747 tag. It's a proper chunky tag, this one. Uh, number 72, this is, of 2,000 of these uh, from that aircraft. We've also got the A400M, popular one as well. This was for people to win. Again, another chunky tag. For those of you watching in the YouTube world, you can see this is number uh, 10, number 10 of 50. There's 50 of these. That's number 10. And also we had, this has also been a very popular one for people to try and win, the, ta the uh, tag from the F4J Phantom. Uh, which is, is that one there. 50 of those. This is number eight, and it's very well battered. I know the guys have seen this uh, tag uh, and the pictures up close, and it's uh, it's got a few bits of um, <sighs> war damage, I will say. <laughs> that. So, Nev, we set the questions, didn't we? And uh, uh, what uh, we'll go with the BA one first, so kick yeah. things off, Nev. Let's do that. So for the BA seven four seven four hundred tag, uh, which is on, uh, the registration was Golf Bravo Yankee Golf Alpha. The question was, what year was Laker Airways founded? And the answer is nineteen sixty six. Yes. So Carlos is now going to be using his selection of hats uh, that he's got tonight to draw out the winner for this tag. The APG hat for this one. We thought we'd go with the APG hat for this uh, particular tag. So we'll 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 have a bit of a shuffle round here, and we'll pull out a name from the uh, from the hat, the APG hat. Here we go, and ah, there we go. Winner of that, if you can see that there. Oh, Jenny in Rome. It's Very Jenny good. in Rome. It's Jenny in Rome. Well done, Jenny. Well, I don't know yeah. about it because she's cooking her dinner at the she's, moment. She's she's <laughs> too busy cooking her dinner. She's too busy cooking her dinner. Yeah. Right, Nev, what's up next? Uh, right, so the next question was, uh, so for the A400M tag, uh, the question is, what aircraft was the V-22 Osprey developed from? The answer, a lot of people got this right, is the Bell XV-15. Bell XV-15. So we've, we're going for the uh, the military-themed hat for this one. This is the, the British and UK uh, also, the British UK flag with the American flag there, cat. And uh, we'll have a little swish around here with these. Ooh, it's so exciting, isn't it? It is, yeah. Right, here we go. And we are picking out. There we go. The winner, if you can see, if that one. Oh, well, there we go. You might have to read it out, Carlos, because I can't quite. Oh, is that, not, is that not focusing well, Nev? No. Oh, that one is James Graves Brown. James Graves Brown. Why isn't that focusing? Bloody camera, honestly. There we go. 
James Gray's tilt, brain. Well tilt, done. Tilt to it forward slightly. It will then it tilt should, it forward, yeah. and then go in a bit closer. There we go. Tilt oh, it down a bit. Anyway, yeah, okay. There we go. Yes, yes. James Gray. So well done, James Graves Brown. You've won the A four hundred M tag. So well done for that. And finally, for the F four Phantom tag, popular one. This one popular. Yes, it was. Um, The question is on the sixth of December, nineteen fifty nine. The second XF four H dash one Phantom performed a zoom climb to a world record height. What was that height? And we said that we would accept the answer in feet or metres. We have both answers here, of course. Uh, The answer is 98,557 feet or 30,040 metres. So let's have a look, see who the lucky winner is. For this one, we've gone for the Lockheed, the Skunk Works cap for this one. Obviously, because it's a military. I, I don't tag. even know what what to, what to do with and, that information. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have a good old good old squivel around in the old hat here. Should have some music playing here, shouldn't we? Really, <laughs> right? I'm going to pull this one out. Here we go, and the winner is <laughs> oh my word! And honestly, there there's other ones in the hat that I had to pull out, but there we go. The winner. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake, Mr. Warner. <laughs> no less. How about oh, that? dear. Jonathan Warner, well done. Jonathan Warner, you have uh, you've won the Phantom Tag, the F4J <laughs> Phantom Tag. Well done. Honestly, <laughs> they're, they're aware of the names in the hat, trust me. But uh, well done. Well done, Jonathan. He'll be uh, pleased. He'll be pleased. He's won that. So if, uh, oh, let me just put the hats over there. If everyone who has won, if uh, Jenny in Rome, you won the 747 tag, and James Bill says it's a Brown, fix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the A400 <laughs> tag, and obviously Jonathan Warner with the Phantom tag. If you could send us your address where you'd want your tag to be posted to, uh, send it to our usual podcast at plaintalkinguk.com email address and uh, i will send those out to you uh, next week so hopefully they'll be with you uh, asap so well done <laughs> bill bill uh, says it's a fix yeah indeed indeed uh, I, I i can't quite pop it up fast enough but uh, i've just had a uh, um I've, I've just had a photograph look it, it's there we go <laughs> oh look at him very well, chuffed, he thinks. He looks very him. happy. Very unusual to not to, for him not to be in a van, frankly, watching the show on 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 a Friday evening. But there we are, <laughs> all part of the fun. Yeah, so well there we done. go. Well thanks, done, everyone. Yeah, thanks, thanks to for everyone entering. for yeah. entering. Yeah, loads uh, of entries. Uh, I'm pleased to say we we, we had um, uh, sort of nearly fifty odd entries, which is uh, really good. So uh, thanks so for, for that. For everyone who entered, and for those who didn't win, don't panic. We are going to be having more competitions uh, during this year than we ever have done ever on the show so don't panic you'll have a chance to win some great prizes during the year for various competitions that we're going to set so um it'll be a chance for everyone to excuse me hopefully uh, to win a prize so well done for those who did win and don't forget to send us your addresses i'll get those tags posted off and uh, if you feel feel up to it Send us a little or WhatsApp us a picture of yep. yourself with your tag when you receive it. That would be nice to see you with that as well. I say, or you can just send us a WhatsApp anyway. Carlos, we need to get it on your phone, actually, because um, uh, I don't get, I don't see them uh, very often until Bloody it's hell. too late. And loads of people get in, in touch, I'm pleased to say. Loads of photos from um, 
Uh, oh, I say, as I say we're, we're getting lots of photos coming. Yeah, hang on, uh, got another one to, uh, here. Uh, as I say, so just a moment ago we were showing a photograph. As I say, we're we're getting the pictures in already from our competition winners. I'm pleased to say there's a lovely picture there. Look of of Jenny in Rome. Look, there we are, literally uh, hot off the presses there. So uh, she seems quite pleased. I'm I'm delighted to say. So. <laughs> oh, bless her. Excellent. There we go. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's the WhatsApp number. Just if uh, if you want to send us a message while we're on air. Yes, as Carlos said, we've got uh, lots more competitions to give uh, to give prizes away for this year. I'm to my left here. I've got about uh, eight or nine books uh, still left here, which uh, Grub Street Publishing have very kindly <coughs> let me have. So lots of military aviation themes there. Uh, so we'll be giving those away in competitions uh, during this year. So that is where we're going to start to wrap up the show. But we'll have a have a quick uh, chat with Andy for a minute. Obviously, Andy, you're uh, you're joining us very kindly, joining us on the show tonight. And uh, I know you've been obviously you've been doing lots of kind of training stuff at the minute. You've not been doing so much flying, flying, but you've been doing um, other bits and pieces as well. But um, but how how is uh, how is the sort of the, the job going? Uh, yeah, uh, last time I was on, I was just about to start the instructor's course. I passed all that, all good. Um, and then, yeah, and then I got hit with COVID, and uh, then I got hit with something called labyrinthitis, so my balance is shot to bits at the minute, so I can't fly. Um, but I can still do other bits and pieces. I'm off to Gatwick on Monday for a meeting and various other bits, so yeah, I'm still keeping busy. So it sounds like you don't have time to be at work. <laughs> No, yeah. I just need this. I just need the world to go level again, and then I can go back flying. Lovely. <laughs> You'll be all right, Andy. You'll be yeah, all right. Now, now you've got your now you've got your PTUK t-shirt. Oh, well, yes. Sh- shall I wear this down next week? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, your sure, next sim session should be a selfie with the t-shirt. Right. Okay. Unfortunately, yeah. they're done in uniform, Carlos. Yes. Uh, a proper uniform as well, I, not I a jumpsuit. Yes, it's not a jumpsuit. It's a proper uniform. It's not. It's not going to work, Carlos. Just, it's oh, not going to work. Dear. Move. Oh dear. Nice try. But yes, yeah, so that's what I'm doing yeah. next week. Excellent. 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 Nev, what are you up to next week? Um, yes, quite a lot of driving. Uh, but then on the plane again on Wednesday, flying up Woo-hoo. to Edinburgh just for the day, although staying overnight, actually. Uh, so that'll be quite nice. Although we have some adverse weather coming down, I've noticed. Uh, I think on uh, Sunday and Monday, certainly down in my part of the country, we're going to get some snow, and obviously they will oh, wow. already have some up north uh, across the border there. So um, we uh, let's look out for delays and cancellations and oh. general funny business. So Indeed. that might be a whole okay. lot of fun, but let, let's see how we get on anyway. Jonathan Warner's asking, are they going to be? Uh, are we going to get grey t-shirts to go with the mugs? <laughs> oh, blimey. <laughs> Can't stop him. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, honestly. The man is obsessed, honestly. Uh, <laughs> never mind, eh? Hey. Uh, Shall we whiz through the socials very quickly? Yeah, let's, uh, let's whiz through them. Uh, Nev, do you want to ta- take that? 
Uh, yes. So social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Just social, uh, search those platforms for Plain Talking UK. WhatsApp, as Matt has already said, plus 44 757 uh, You can email the show, uh, podcast at com. And if the people that have won those prizes could do that or WhatsApp, that would be great. Then we can send you your gifts. Uh, the website is all the W's, plaintalkinguk.com. And of course, we're on YouTube, so you'll get notifications when we go live. When it works. Um, and <laughs> yeah, when it works. Uh, you can just go to youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, on our website, there is an Amazon link as well. So if you do your shopping uh, via Amazon, you can uh, click on our website and there's an Amazon link there. We get a small referral fee. You can also become a Patreon as well. So on the website, there's a whole section about how you can help support the show. And we are very grateful for everyone that does that because we can't have the show on otherwise. But that's all. So thanks very much indeed for uh, tuning in today. Yeah, and thanks. And don't forget to all the winners of the tags, Jenny in Rome, James Graves and Jonathan Warner. Don't forget to send your uh, preferred delivery address in for those tags. I'll get those off to you guys next week. Hopefully Royal Mail will get them to you before Christmas uh, this year. So fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Before Christmas. Before Christmas. I know. I know. It's literally been over 10 minutes. Yeah. don't forget to tune in next Friday for this show. We'll be back again on Friday at 7 o'clock. Hopefully Armando will be with us next week. I'm uh, going to say a big thanks to Andy for joining us this evening. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure as always. Nice to have you on as always. And gl- obviously glad to see you wearing that fabulous T-shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, you probably want to see me wear it again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> Amen to that. I'll wash it and send it back. That's what you're yeah, 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 yeah. What, I, what I should be saying now is if you want to look... If you want to look as as stunning as Andy does right now, look at it. It's beautiful. Look at get this. Get over to the website. <laughs> <laughs> okay, enough now. <laughs> so that is it for episode number four hundred and forty of the show. Thanks to all the chat room for joining us tonight. For everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room, thank you for all for tuning in uh, on this Friday night, and also not forgetting as well everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast. Thank you to you all as well. And if you get five minutes spare in your time uh, don't forget to if you can leave us a little review on itunes or stitcher or podbean wherever you download us from as an audio show leave us a review and it all helps uh, with the podcast pushing us up those charts each week that's where we like to be uh, so that would be great if you could do that that's about it then for episode 440 don't forget tune in next friday to the show we're back here with more aviation news from across the globe. So from me, Carlos, here at home, from Matt in the PTK Master Suite Studios, from Nev with his lovely background there behind him there, and from Andy, our special guest, Andy. Uh, well, well, happy flying, Andy, when you get back in the air. Take Thank care, you. everyone, and we'll see you all next week. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye, Bye. everyone. Bye.